Um, today we're going to be talking about the, the miraculous story. This was such a fun story to study. Um, as you know, Jesus, Jesus was in the business of, of providing for people's needs, but he did it miraculously. And we're going to talk today about how Jesus still does that in our lives. It's, it's actually really fun. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, um, does anybody know what the word is that it defines when you're really, really in a terrible mood because you're hungry? Yeah, being hangry. How many of you are hangry right now? Some of your darting glares. <laughs> I have some bread here. So, um, And how many of you have ever heard of food swings? Have you ever heard of a food swing? It's like when your blood sugar levels are going crazy because, you know, you're pregnant or hormonally, I don't know, teenager or something. But, um, but we're going to talk today about a group um, of 5,000 people that Jesus fed in a miraculous way. And this story is so significant. It's in all four of the Gospels. What the Gospels are, they're the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so in this one, this particular story is in all four of them, and it's in Matthew 14, it's in Mark chapter 6, it's in Luke chapter 9, and it's in John chapter 6. And there's, there's a couple of details woven into all the different stories, so I'm going to try to fill in some of the blanks on this. Mark, as you know, we're, we're going through the book of Mark, and Mark is a pretty cut and dry, he just kind of gives you just the facts, but he does talk about all of these miracles in a very factual way. So let's get into the word. We're going to start, um, the title of this message is Jesus Feeds. Um, we have a ministry here called Jesus Feeds, and there's a, a whole group of just wonderful, loving, godly people who work really, really hard to provide food for people who are going through a rough time, people who are in need. Um, if, you're, if you're not familiar with it, it's, really, it's, it's a really amazing thing that's happening. People are coming here on a weekly basis, and they're getting food, and they're, they're hearing about the love of Jesus. So... Shout out to uh, Jesus Feeds. Can we give them a hand for the people that work with that? <clears throat> so that's the name of this message today in honor of them, but also in honor of Jesus, who's supernatural. So let's start. Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. I like that, their ministry tour. And they told him all that they had done and taught. Now this is the first time up until this point the 12 that followed him were called his what? They were called his disciples, which means learner or someone who's being mentored. This is the first time Mark calls them apostles because what an apostle does is an apostle walks in their gifts. They walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and they're not the, the learner anymore. They're, they're going out and teaching. So this is a big distinction that's taken place here. So they're coming back and you know how people when they get back from a missions trip, they're super excited some are super excited, some are not excited. Some, some have learned the lesson that, wow, I am not called to missions. <laughs> Those people don't come up, come back super excited, but they're super excited to sleep in their own bed maybe or eat American food or whatever it is. But I wanna, you know, I wanna remind you guys that when, when we do go into all the world like Jesus calls us to, for example, the Philippines, um, 
you know, it is such an exciting thing. It's an exciting thing to go somewhere else besides just in your own setting to kind of see what the Lord is doing throughout the world. Uh, I, I want to apologize. I know when I got back from the Philippines in June, for those of you who aren't acquainted, um, Kevin and Shanna Kligman moved to the Philippines five years ago and they are now working on, on planting their 11th church. And uh, the Lord is just blessing them so, so, so much. And I think when I came back, I was a little bit wrecked emotionally. I was uh, a little bit, um, maybe a little bit convicted about uh, just the kind of lifestyle that we, that we live compared to the Philippines. But someone told me, a, a dear friend of mine said, you know, you kind of miss the opportunity to say, yay God, look what God is doing. So I want to say that now. Yay God, God is doing incredible things in the Philippines. Kevin is actually going to be here next week. We're going to do something a little different next week. Uh, Kevin and Kelly Van Arsdal, our extension campus pastor, and Liz Micah are going to be doing a Q&A time. Uh, so... So you can bring your questions. Um, actually, you can submit them ahead of time. And, uh, and then they're going to go through the questions and they're going to answer the ones that seem to be the most recurring or whatever. Um, they're going to try to get to all of them. So um, kind of be looking for that. Watch your email. If you're not uh, on our email list, you can go to the Connect desk and talk to them about getting on it. But also um, follow us on Instagram if you follow Instagram, and also on Facebook. You can learn a lot about what we're doing, plus our website, which is uh, theadventure.church. Um, so here are these guys. These apostles are coming back. They're really excited about all the things they've seen. They've seen God go before them and do miraculous things. So they're really excited about it, and they're, they're telling Jesus. It's like, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's amazing, some of the things that happened. And so Jesus says, hey, you know what? Let's, let's take off. Let's go to a quiet place where we can have some privacy. And he said this because there were so many people crowding around them. Because by this time, Jesus had quite a reputation. He had been doing miracles, healing people, raising people from the dead, casting demons out. Um, and so, it, so Jesus says in verse 31, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. How many of you had a day like that this week where you just didn't even have time to eat? Yeah, yeah for some people it's a priority. It's like, oh, work is secondary, I'm going to eat. <laughs> but, but, you know, there was a comedian one time that was saying, you know, uh, she said, I went to this, this hairdresser and she was this little skinny hairdresser and she said, I don't know, sometimes I just forget to eat. This comedian's like, sometimes I forget if I've eaten or not, so I eat again just to make sure, to guarantee that I have. <laughs> but think about this. So Jesus and his disciples are so overwhelmed by these crowds pressing in that they don't even have time to eat. So Jesus is, is proposing, hey, let's, let's just go chill out. Let's go hang out and just let's, let's talk about these stories. It's just, so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And so the people from many towns ran ahead along the, ship, the shore and got there ahead of them. So here these people are. It's kind of like, like a herd. They're all like running at the same time. They're so excited to hear from Jesus. 
And so when Jesus sees this crowd, he, it, it says that he, his heart was broken. His compassion led to the generosity that followed. It says in verse 34, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them. This, this word compassion isn't just kind of like, oh, he kind of felt sorry for them. This word actually, I can't pronounce the, the Greek word. It's like this long. But it really means from the gut. Like it, you, you know that feeling when you, you see something tragic or you see something that's really sad and you can just like, you can even feel it in the pit of your stomach. That's what this is talking about. Actually, in those days, they said that, that if someone was feeling a lot of compassion, it said that they would be moved in their bowels, which means something different totally now. But then what it meant was that, that within the depths of who they were, they would just be so broken up and torn up. And this is how Jesus felt. He, he had this burden for these people. He felt so so much compassion for them. It says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In the context of what's happening, they had a bunch of religious leaders at the time who just kept putting more and more and more expectations on them and more responsibilities and making them feel more and more like they were just falling short, like they were just blowing it. And this, this particular spirit is still in operation today. It's a religious spirit that says, you need to do more to make God love you. You need to make things happen. You need to, this, this is on you. You need to make this happen. And this is what these guys were dealing with. They were like sheep without a shepherd because a true shepherd is somebody that cares for the people and, and provides for their needs. And, you know, just like in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have no, no wants. I have, there's nothing that I need. He gives me everything. He, he helps me to lie down and rest in green pastures and by, by quiet waters. Just think about that. You know, that feeling what, just of just lying down and just listening to the waters. It says, he restores my soul. And part of this comes through the rest, through resting, not only physically, but also resting and trusting him. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is how he wants to do miraculous things through us, but the pressure's off. That we don't have to make this stuff happen. We just have to rest and sit down and wait on him. It says here, it says he began to teach them many things. Some of the other accounts say that he actually, he healed some people. He had compassion on them. He saw their plight, but he began to teach them many things. And now in verse 35, it says late in the afternoon. So, so this starts out early in the day. So Jesus kept talking and talking and talking. And all of a sudden it was late in the afternoon. It's probably getting close to dinner time, And the disciples are kind of like, okay, um, Jesus is great stuff. What you're saying, it's, it's great. But these guys are probably getting hungry. You know, don't you think maybe we should let them go and, you know, go get their own food? And he says here, he says, um, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. Now, remember, they went out to get away, to have a solitary place. It's probably in the middle of a desert. 
and there's nothing around there. And they're saying, send the crowds away. They're like, your teaching is phenomenal, of course, second to none, but these guys are probably getting hungry. So he's like, you should send them away so they can go to the nearby farms and the villages and buy something to eat. So the disciples are totally missing what's happening here because obviously Jesus isn't concerned about this. He just continues to teach. He continues to pour into these guys and he says something so shocking. He says, you feed them. He goes, go ahead. You want them to eat? Feed them. Go ahead. So there's a guy named Philip who's there, and he's probably like the accountant. And so he's calculating this. He's figuring out, okay, let's see. There's, it, says, it says in the Bible there were 5,000 men, which means families. So each man represented a family, no matter you know, if it was just him or a, just a, him and a spouse or him and his kids, however many kids they had. So, so it's been estimated there were probably between 12,000 and 20,000 people sitting there listening to him. And so he's like, go ahead and feed him. And the disciples are like, okay, he must be really worn out. The son must have really, really taken it out of him now because he is not thinking clearly. But this is such a classic way that Jesus operates with us, isn't it? He will ask us to do some ridiculous thing that there is no possible way that we could, we could ever do it on our own. And that's what he's doing here. He's like, you feed them. He's telling the disciples. So Philip calculated the cost. And, and it says here, the disciples asked, with what? What are we supposed to feed, feed these people with? He says, we would have to work for months in order to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. So Jesus says to them, well, how much bread do you have? He asked. So obviously the disciples didn't have anything. Also, this is estimate. Think about this. How much money do you make in one day? You don't have to say this out loud. <laughs> but think about how much money you make in one day. This is saying that it would take six months wages. Months. He's saying, but it's, Philip calculated it, and it's about six months wages. That is a lot of money to feed these people. So let's say you make $50,000 a year. This would take $25,000 just to feed them one meal. So Jesus says, what, 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 how much bread do you have? He says, go and find out. So the other accounts say there was a little boy who came forward and offered his lunch. He had his lunch there, and, and they came back, and Andrew, it says Andrew reported, we have five loaves of bread. So, by the way, the kind of bread they had was called barley bread. I literally looked in six different places. Nobody sells barley bread. Has anybody ever had barley bread? I heard it's delicious, but anyway, so I got French bread, white refined French bread, but <laughs> it might have looked a little bit like this. So five loaves, one, two, three, four, five, right here. And then, yep, I did it. I did, I went fishing. Ugh. 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 So gross. 
Okay. Mm. I'm so grossed out right now. I'm struggling. So five loaves. Herb and Fred. Does anybody know how to clean these guys? We're going to have a raffle at the end of service. We're going to raffle these guys off. But this is it. This much food to feed between 12 and 20,000 people. Does anybody have any hand sanitizer? (laughs) So think about this. Jesus is doing this unbelievable. He's asking, thank you. Oh, oh, thank you. I'm not a germaphobe. I thought I had some in my purse. I looked. I, I was panicking. Thank you so much. So it says, Andrew reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. It says, then Jesus, okay, so this next section I call, take, bless, break, and give. Verse 39, it says, Jesus told the disciples to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. The reason that Mark says it's on the green grass was because this indicated the time of year that it was. So this was getting to be nearer to the end of the season. And Jesus told the disciples, have the people sit down. And I just thought, this is so profound. Not that people would sit while they're eating, but that Jesus first, before he did his miracle, he said, I want you to sit down. And I think oftentimes when we feel like the Lord's asking us to do something or he's calling us to step out in faith, we get panicked and we, we try to calculate in our minds, how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to make this work? And Jesus is saying, sit down. Just watch. I am going to go before you. I'm going to do a miracle on your behalf. And so it says in verse uh, 41, Jesus took the five loaves. I'm not touching those fish again. He took the five loaves and the two fish It says, and he looked up to heaven and he blessed them. Jesus prayed for blessings on the five loaves and the two fish. It says, and then he broke the loaves into pieces. I mean, imagine, this is your meal right here with a little bit of sushi on the side. Okay, this is it. Five loaves, two fish. 12 to 20,000 people, 12,000 to 20,000 people with this. There, it's undeniably a miracle, yes? yes? Totally a miracle. It says, Jesus blessed them, then he broke the loaves into pieces, and he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. Did you catch what happens here? He takes something and he blesses it. He sets it apart. He sanctifies it and then he breaks it. And then he gives it away. 
And isn't that just what he did with his, with his own life? He took on human flesh and he was blessed by God. He did all these miracles. He, he, it says that he had favor with God and man. He kept increasing in favor with God and man, except for the religious leaders, of course. But then he was broken. And then <clears throat> he gave himself away. He gave his life. He poured out his own blood for us. And that's what he does with us. But when we get to the breaking part, so God takes us, he chooses us, he calls us apart, and he blesses us, he sanctifies us, which just means to make us more, more and more in his image. But in this process, we are sometimes broken. We go through trials, we go through these hardships. And he does this because he wants us to become apostles and not merely disciples. Do you get the distinction? A disciple is just somebody that just takes. They just, they're learning. They're taking things in, but an apostle is someone who gives back. An apostle is someone who gives out. So after we are broken, then we're qualified to give back, to give ourselves away. But Jesus says, I want you to sit down before I do this miracle. I want you to sit down and watch what I'm gonna do in your midst. So, so he kept giving bread to the disciples. Do you see this? Do you catch this? He put the bread in the hands of the disciples. He put it in their hands. And that's what he wants to do with us. That is what, what the Lord has called us to, is that he would provide the miracle but he wants us to distribute it to others. He wants us to give it away. He wants us to take the bread, take the miracle, and give it away. You know, there's a, <clears throat> there's a, a group of Christians that um, some people refer to them as uh, like pew warmers, even though we have chairs, but you know, they're just the people that they never serve anybody else. They never give. They don't they don't give to the local church. They don't, they're not generous with their money. They just want to take in more and more and more information. And my pastor used to say, you know, we know far more than we're willing to obey. But the Lord is saying, I want you to step out. I want you to be a little uncomfortable because he's in the midst of breaking us even as we're sitting there waiting sitting and waiting on him to come and do that miracle through us. But I think it's so profound that it's the disciples, that the disciples had the miracle in their hands. They were the ones that got to participate. Isn't that so profound? Because Jesus could have done it by himself. He could, have, he could have just broken all the bread and then just given it to everybody and you know just had all the attention on himself, but he wanted to share in this miracle with the people, that and the fish. You know, I went to see Lion King on, um, on Monday. I know it's not a spiritual movie. Well, it's, it's spiritual, but it's not Christian movie. <clears throat> but there was a part in there that was so profound to me. Um, if you don't know the story, I, I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but there's a scene in there where, um, 
where the, the young Simba, he is the, he's called to be the king over this whole area. And he's feeling really rejected and abandoned. Through a series of events, he's really, really sad. And he's really missing his dad. And he's just like, he, he has this encounter with his father again. And he's just like, please don't ever leave me alone. Don't leave me again. And his father says to him, I've never left you alone. Don't forget who you are. Remember who you are. And that's what I feel like there's somebody here today, you need to hear that. You're feeling like God's kind of forgotten about you. Maybe it's a financial trial that you're going through or maybe it's a relationship thing or health issue or something that you're going through and you're feeling alone and you're feeling like the Lord, the Lord has forgotten about you. And what he wants to remind you is, Remember who you are. You are children of the king, the king of all kings, the God of the miraculous. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You know, the Bible says it, that he loves to give, he loves to lavish good things on us as his children. He loves to, to be generous he loves to give us things. He wants to do miracles in our lives. Remember, we talked a couple weeks back. S sometimes the reason that he doesn't do miracles in our lives is because we don't really believe that he really actually wants to or that he actually will. And it says he'll just move on. And that's not what we want. What we want is we want to see God do the miraculous in our own lives first and foremost and in the lives of those around us in our family don't you guys, do you have something that you're just clinging to right now and you're feeling kind of abandoned? The Lord is calling you to believe again. Believe that he can, this God who can take five loaves and two fish and feed 20,000 people, whatever it is you're going through, he can handle it. But the miracle happens in our hands. As an act of faith, we take on the belief that God is going to do something miraculous in our midst, that God is going to go on our behalf, that he hasn't left us. Remember, the Bible says he will never reject you. He will never abandon you. But he wants you to take up that bread and participate in what he's doing. He doesn't want you to just be a disciple because actually it only refers to them as apostles in this first verse and then the rest of the time it's disciples because then they go back into learning mode. They're learning what is God doing here. They're watching what he's doing but the miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. He took the bread from this little boy, took the bread and the fish and he blessed it and he broke it and then he gave it. He distributed it. And that's what he still wants to do today. But he wants us to participate with him. You see what I'm saying? He wants to demonstrate his faithfulness. Not only because he wants to fulfill us and bless us, and he wants, he wants us to be satisfied in him. Because everything, I, I remember I was talking to somebody yesterday, we were talking about grief and there is like a tangible 
For those of you who've been through grief, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, But there's like a tangible sense of his nearness if you open your heart up to that. If you, if you lean into him, there is like, I, I, and I described it, I said, I felt this intimacy with the Lord after my husband passed away that it was like I could even taste his presence. Like it was that tangible. I could taste it. And then I remembered there's that verse, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good Who needs to hear that today? Somebody need to be reminded the Lord is good. He is for you. He is not against you. And even when he breaks you, even when he lets you go through trials and and wants your character to be developed, he's still for you. He still does it for your own good. Taste and see that he is good. So this is the section I call the all you can eat. Verse 42. Okay, remember, 12,000 to 20,000 people, somewhere in that range, they all ate as much as they wanted. So this means Jesus, Jesus wasn't like, here, you can, uh, you've got to make this go 12,000. There, there you go. Come and get this. Here you go. There's your section. There's your. Here, you want want to break a little off of there? Ugh, glutton. There you go. (laughs) I mean, this has got to go 12,000 people, right? Dude, don't eat that all in one bite. (laughs) They all ate what? As much as they wanted. Even the gluttons <laughs> got as much as they wanted. What does this say about the Lord and how the Lord wants to operate on our behalf? How great is our God? He, you know, the thing is, I know I say this every week. It's the same sermon every week. But when you completely give yourself to him, he will come in like a flood and he will just blow you away with his goodness and his faithfulness. This week, uh, I was reminded of a, of a time, and I, I, I've shared this with you before, so it's a rerun, but um, the first three years of our marriage, uh, we, we actually lived below the poverty line. For, um, and we were working really hard. We worked really, really, really hard, worked a lot of hours, but for some reason, it was just like we just kept, hitting a wall, hitting a wall. And then suddenly, immediately, like Mark likes to say, immediately, my husband got a job. And we figured out how much, my, well, let me back it up. Let me, let me preface this a little further back. So in May, we went to our Foursquare convention and our pastor there, Pastor Jack Hayford, he said we were going to give money to these mission or to these um, orphanages in Cambodia, and uh, he said, "I want you to pray about how much you should give." And so, and and so we we all we took a few moments to pray and get a sense from the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit will still speak to us today, 
if we're open to hearing his voice. He still wants to speak to us today. And it will never contradict what the Bible says. It'll always be in line with what the Bible says. But here he had us pray. And then he said, if you're married, I want you to turn to your spouse and confirm what you think the amount is. Well, we had just purchased our first home in Santa Clara, California. And we had $500 left to get us through the rest of the month. So that was groceries, gas, everything. We had $500 and we both felt like the Lord said, give the whole amount. I'm not a prosperity teacher, but I do believe that our God is generous. And I do believe that our God will test our faith. And I do believe in the principle of the tithe, 10%. I do. I'm not going to apologize for it. I believe it is still, it's still enacted today. That first 10%. 100% of it's God's. He's only asking you for $1 out of 10. He's asking for a dime out of every dollar. And so, anyway, so we, we have always believed that. We never, we never even questioned it. We always believed. But this was over and above. This was everything we had. This was a $500 that was supposed to get us through the rest of the month. And we both knew it. We just looked at each other and we said, yep, we're supposed to give all of it. So we wrote a check back in the olden days. You guys remember checks? There are these pieces of paper and they're worth money. <laughs> remember dollars? Now it's all Venmo. <laughs> but, but so we wrote a check for $500 and we just put our hands on that check and we just prayed. We just said, Lord, we believe we've heard from you. Well, shortly after that, I got this random check um, from a great aunt of mine who had passed away who wanted to leave some money for me, she left $500. So within just a couple of weeks, we got the $500 back. Somehow we survived through the month. I don't really know how. We didn't have Jesus feeds in our church, but we survived. And then seven months later, uh, my husband's company got hostily taken over. And um, we ended up, he had a thousand stock options at two dollars a share, and the stock went up to sixty-eight. So we got sixty-six thousand dollars just out of the blue, and we knew it was linked to that act of faith. And I'm not—you know—God knows our hearts. He knows our motives. If you're greedy, if you're—if you just want to make money just because you know you want to spend it on your pleasures, like it says in James, that's not going to happen. But our God is faithful. He is true to His word. And when we surrender everything to him, he will always provide everything. It says, if the God who, who spared not his own son, how much more does he want to freely lavish his goodness and his gifts on us? I remember, you know, we were so blown away when we got that, that check because at the time we were $28,000 in debt. And we had no car. We had been in a car accident. And it was like the Lord just totally used that. He totally used that money, not only to just do a miracle in our midst. It was the feeding of the 5,000 for us at the time. But he also increased our faith in a, in a significant way. I mean, I still refer back to that. And I, and I really can tell you, honestly, do not worry. Do not worry about money. Matthew 6 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says, become more and more like Jesus. It says, and then all these, all these other things will be added to you as well. But seek him first. 
And that's the thing. At the time, Eric and I, well, and still, but we were seeking him first. We didn't care about money. We didn't care about stuff. We just cared about the kingdom of God. And God was so faithful to us. Also this week, there's, there's a young couple that's been really struggling financially and and I've just had a real burden for them and I've just been praying and praying and praying because they're, they're just a really good, godly, faithful couple. But they've just been really hit, they've been hit with some really rough financial things. Not, not because of their own, uh, you know, um, greed or whatever or poor choices, just a lot of medical expenses and everything. And um, I suddenly about, probably about, six weeks ago, I started to sense that the Lord was, was saying, pray for favor, pray for favor. And so rather than praying for provision, I started to pray for favor. And this week, this young, young man got a job offer that is more than twice as much money as he's making right now. All glory to God. Amen. And this is our great, yeah, you can applaud the Lord. That's an amazing thing. But I think, I feel like there are four, four different types of people today. I feel like there are those of you who, you're, you're a disciple and you're learning and you're, you want to hear about God, but you're not, even in brokenness, you're not giving back. And I'm not just talking finances. I am talking finances because I believe in the principle of the tithe. I believe in the same way that we give, it'll be given to us. If we give freely, if we give generously, and we give openly, I believe that our God is a generous God and he keeps his promises. But also in our, in our giftings and in our service to other people, you know, we weren't created to just sit and listen. We are called for a season to sit like Jesus called, but then we are called to be broken and to give and to give back. And I believe that there are some here and that's what the Lord is speaking to you. And some I believe he's speaking to you, you need to sit down and rest and trust in me. You're trying to earn your salvation, which is not possible. You cannot earn heaven. It's a free gift. Salvation is by grace. It's the grace of God. Not that we deserve it, but it's because he's offered it. And he's telling, he wants to say to some of you, just sit down and watch me do a miracle in your behalf. There's some of you that God wants to increase your faith, but there are some of you, you've forgotten whose you are. You've forgotten how great our God is how kind and generous and good and faithful he is. That even the one who is, who is called all-powerful, he holds all things in his hands, and yet he still knows everything about you, and he is so crazy about you. And you've forgotten that. You've forgotten that you're children of the king a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging unto God. And he wants to remind you of that today. We're going to sing one more song today. Um, and this song really is about, it, it's, it's the story of, of Jesus and what he's done for us so that we can 
become his children so that we can be known as his, that we can be like that crowd. We can watch him do the miraculous in our lives. So could you stand up now? Um, We're going to sing this last song before we're dismissed. And again, next week, it's a question and answer time, so you can submit your questions online, or you can write them out or whatever. But um, it's going to be really fun next week. And um, as we sing this song, just remember, whatever it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, whether you need to take that extra step and become a disciple, or whether you need to sit down and just let God work through you or whether you need to have your faith increased or if you've forgotten whose you are just submit this to the Lord commit it to the Lord as we sing this song